Well, I read about uh, the calming of the storm, and I expect you thought that again, because it's such a common um, passage, and it appears in all three of the Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. And it's always in children's books and things, and it's, um, but I'm not going to apologize for bringing it up again, because I think it has some very important lessons that we can learn from it. One of the blessings, I suppose, of of preaching is that it gives me an opportunity to study things. And I've got a very curious mind, so it's, uh, it really suits me down to the ground. So, a bit of information about the Sea of Galilee. And I've never been there, I wish I had, but I haven't yet, so one day. But the Sea of Galilee is approximately 33 miles in circumference, about 13 miles long and 8 miles wide, so it's quite a big lake, really. It, it is 693 feet below sea level, so it's actually the lowest freshwater lake on Earth. Because of its situation, it's situated in the Jordan Rift Valley, it's surrounded by mountains, and it's, it is susceptible to violent storms because the wind scuttles down the mountain valleys, cool air from the Mediterranean. It, it then meets the, the hot, humid air over the lake and then you get these sudden violent storms. And the Sea of Galilee and the countryside surrounding it was actually the most blessed by Jesus, when he was Jesus' presence when he was on earth because most of his ministry um, was in that area. Palestine, Capernaum, Tiberias, Bethsaida and the country of the Gerasenes they were all bordering its shores. Jesus' miracles also mostly occurred in this area. It was on Galilee that he walked on the water. The miraculous fish catches were in, on Galilee. From its banks, he called Peter, James, Andrew and John. Here was where he appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. He told parables, his parables from the boat on the water. And within sight of this water, he fed the multitude. On the shore, he healed the man possessed of devils, which he cast out into the swine. The passage actually is quite a short one. But it is important because it, it's one that indicates another power the power that Jesus had over the natural world. Now if we think about his circumstance, it was evening time and he was clearly tired. Now we know Jesus was God, but he was also entirely man. He had all the attributes of a normal human being, so he was probably, he'd had a busy day and he was probably weary. And he got all his usual crowd around him. So two of the Gospels, if you study all three of them, two of them say that Jesus asked his disciples to go with him into the boats to cross over to the other side. But whatever happened, there was actually quite a flotilla of boats, I think, went. All the commentaries on this seem to agree that the style of the boat would have been usual open-top fishing boats that were common at the time. I think there's many that are like it now. 
The gospel tells us that Jesus was in the stern of a boat asleep on a pillow. Well, when the violent storm blew up, we must assume that the boats were rocking very violently, the waves would have been very high, and the boat that Jesus was in was being swamped with water. In Mark 4, we read, the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Was Jesus on the deck? I don't know, was he being splashed, soaked? How was he sleeping in these conditions? It's something that's always puzzled me. I, I find it very hard to believe that he was just lying on the back of the boat with the water sloshing about. And on top of that, there was a howling gale and he was sound asleep. I, I sometimes think that maybe that they, they, the boat isn't exactly like that and it probably did have a cabin or something in the back and that's where he was. But at any rate, he was sound asleep and he had to be woken by his disciples. And this actually brings us to the first lesson this story gives us. Here were his actual closest disciples. And they were being subjected to a really frightening storm. And also they felt in real danger of drowning. And although they were, di were his disciples, they were being subjected to this. The storm in all its ferociousness. If we follow Jesus, then we must not expect everything in life to go along smoothly. We're not going to be exempted from life's storms. It doesn't protect us because we're a follower of Jesus from life's problems that we will all, all have to endure. It may take with some people a great storm in their lives to fully realize how much they need Jesus. It is these times that we cannot save us that we need a saviour. And he's there. I, on the last time I was here, I preached about the cost of discipleship and the fact that it needs commitment, perseverance, and trust, particularly trust. And that's what Jesus wants from us. So, Jesus, here, here he is, he's in the boat, sound asleep, and he's woken up by his disciples. And they say to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? <laughs> well, some Gospels don't say any, any reply to that, but we read today that he, he, he did reply. At any rate, what he did is he got up and he re rebuked the wind and then said to the raging waters, quiet, be still. In Luke's account, he said the storm subsided and all was calm. Unlike a gradual calming down of a storm, the original Greek tense used in this area indicated that it all stopped rather quickly. In fact, it ceased suddenly. Jesus then said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? Jesus was implying that they were afraid because they lacked faith. So to, to overcome fear in life's storms, we need to grow in faith. Faith that God will protect us in all circumstances, either here on, or, or on earth, here when we're on earth. Or faith that God will take us home to him, even if we meet a situation where we were to, to die. But 
the greatest storm that we all face will be the day of judgment. In Matthew 25, it describes when the Son of Man returns in his glory and all his angels with him. It says, all nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since creation of the world. Are we going to be numbered among those sheep? If we follow him, trust him, Jesus will always be ready to save and protect us, even from that storm ahead. By this time, of course, the disciples had seen many, many miracles that Jesus had done, and almost doing them on a daily basis, so they were quite used to it. And yet, even when the disciples were really fearful for their safety, and then absolutely amazed at what Jesus did, they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This final act of Jesus stilling the waves and the storm really revealed to the disciples. They suddenly knew that God was actually standing in the boat with them. Jesus' revelation of the astonishing power of God's majesty and holiness in such what is a relatively small way must have had a major impact on the terrified disciples. I have spoken in the past sometimes, and you think I probably bang on about it, but uh, about my visits that I've had to the Northumbrian community, which is in Northumbria. And they, their spirituality is based on a Celtic spirituality, which looks and is very concerned about the presence of God. It talks about God being with us all the time. We've sung about God's presence already. Um, and it looks also at earlier men and women or saints who lived lives to a sort of heroic level, loving God, others, and themselves heroically. Their lives are looked at, maybe not to imitate, but to see what we can uh, learn about God. The life of the saint is not a life of an ordinary man or woman, but of God's life in an ordinary man or woman. Now, I've, I've read you something that I've found. Ethelwald lived in the 7th century as a hermit and who was called entirely to a life of prayer. Again, talking about the closeness of God. His presence. On a, he was um, to entirely a life of prayer on the inner island of Inafarn, which is, is in the North Sea and it's just off the, north, off the coast of Northumbria. And he lived there for 12 years before he died on the island. And I'll read you something here. I came with two brothers to Farn Island, wishing to speak to Father Ethelwald. We were greatly inspired by his discourse. We had asked his blessing and were returning homewards. While we were in the middle of the sea, the calm weather that was favouring our crossing suddenly changed. There followed a storm of such ferocity and violence 
that the sail and oars were useless and we were expecting nothing but death. Having struggled unavailingly against the wind and waves for a long time, we looked back to see whether it was practicable to fly, fight our way back to the island we had left, but found the storm equally violent on all sides. So there was no hope of escape, but as we looked into the distance, we saw Father Ethelwald, the beloved of God, come out of his cell on Farn to watch our progress. For he had heard the roar of the gale and the raging sea and had come out to discover what would happen to us. When he saw us in distress and despair, he fell on his knees to the Father of our Lord Christ and prayed for our safety. Directly this prayer was ended, the raging sea grew calm, the severity of the storm lessened on all sides, and a following wind bore us over the sea towards land. As soon as we reached the shore and dragged our small boat out of the water, the wind that had dropped a while for our sakes at once began to blow again and continued strongly all that day. So we realized that, that the short interval of calm had been granted by the mercy of Jesus in heaven at the prayer of the man of God so that we might, make, we might escape. If we were in that boat, how would we have reacted? Jesus responded immediately to the disciples' fears and he seemed to have pr responded pretty quickly to Ethelwald's prayer. He admonished his disciples for their lack of faith I suppose he would have done the same to us. We do not need to be fearful about our future, either now or when the Lord decides to take us, though it is very often hard to do that. Jesus demonstrated when he was on earth that he is all-powerful God who is always close at hand and always in our presence. If we have a sincere trust and faith that he's there, he always listens to our prayers. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we can so easily identify with your disciples' reaction faced with that storm. They saw at first hand your almighty power demonstrated. We have learnt this and we know you are close at hand to save us if we have a strong faith. Please, Lord, by your Spirit, put into our hearts an urgent wish to strengthen our faith and follow you more closely. In Jesus' name, Amen.